0: Is TCU football in danger of being shut out and not being allowed to win the national title at the highest level? I'll explain what I mean next. During on Locked On Horn Frogs, it's your team every day. You are Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. on horn Frogs, your team every day. I'm your host, Stephen Simcox. We're free and available wherever it is you get your podcast. Thanks for making the show your first listen. So, TCU Horned Frogs, sitting here in the Big 12, and they survived the multiple rounds of realignment, right? Like, a few years ago, it looked like the Big 12 might be on the desk door. After Texas and Oklahoma left, there was a lot of chatter about, would the Pac-12 just absorb them? The Pac-12 and kind of their own arrogance and hubris decided, no, we don't really want to mingle with people of the Big 12. They decided to stay pat. And then that league ended up folding and becoming, you know, a skeleton crew that now only has two teams at the moment, Washington State and Oregon State. The rest have been dispersed, some of the Big 12, some of the Big 10. But the Big 12 survived. Brett Yormark has been a visionary so far. I think he's been great for the league as a commissioner. He has seemingly gotten the Big 12 back to the table in some of these discussions. That being said, there's been uh, still a huge gap in revenue, not so much right now, but in future years it looks like there's going to be a big-time gap in revenue between the Big 10, the SEC, the Big 12. The ACC is currently still intact, but Florida State is actively trying to get out of the league, right? And so we're not sure what the Atlantic Coast Conference is going to look like in the near future, but at the moment in the new 12-team playoff, the world, the Big 12 seems to be in a good position, and it feels like, I mean, is it a long shot to a certain extent with all the resources that the SEC and the Big Ten have? I guess you could say that, but there still is somewhat of a level playing field. Everybody at least is still trying to play the same game. There was some news on Friday, though, and I'm not sure who reported this first. I saw Ross Dellinger had a story on it. That was the first time I – I saw, and I'm going to read some excerpts from the story in The Athletic by Nicole Auerbach. But the SEC and the Big Ten, they're partnering up. They're forming an alliance. And, of course, a few years back, the Big Ten, the SEC, and the Pac-12 made an ill-fated alliance uh, that ended up, you know, dissolving when the Pac-12 dissolved. But the, the SEC and the Big Ten, of course, the SEC commissioner is Greg Sankey. He's been there. For a long time now, Tony Petiti is the Big Ten commissioner, and he's relatively new to the job. They are teaming up, and they're forming a joint advisory committee to explore all the different issues in college sports. In a statement, it was said, the Big Ten and the SEC have a substantial investment in the NCAA, and there's no question that the voices of our two conferences are integral to government to governance and other reform efforts. We recognize the similarity in our circumstances, as well as the urgency to address the common challenges we face. They also said this advisory group will engage with other constituencies as necessary as uh, the goal of this is to take a leadership role in developing solutions for a sustainable future of college sports. So what does all this mean? Well, right now, there's a lot of discussion about the new format of the college ball playoff. Is it going to be um, six automatic qualifiers, so six conference champions, the top ranked, six conference champions, and then the six at-large bids, or will it be the the top five ranked conference champions, and then seven at-large bids? And there's a lot of voices at the table with in college sports, and so that's that's one issue. We also have the issue of name, image, and likeness. What is that going to look like in the future? will schools take more responsibility in doing that directly with the student athletes instead of right now you have third party collectives and businesses that are making these contracts and they're trying to help the school, but they can't exactly be directly connected with the school. Are we going to, you know, cut out the middleman in that regard? What are transfer rules going to look like moving forward? Eligibility requirements, all these things are facing the NCAA and the NCAA has really struggled to find a uniformed way to make this work for everybody. And with all the uh, player empowerment kind of initiatives that we've indulged in, in the past few years, which I think were a long time coming, but with no safeguards to kind of govern that and put some you know, uh, ground rules on it, there's there's been a lot of things that have slipped through the cracks. But what this really is, is it's the Big Ten in the SEC flexing their muscles and saying, you know what, we're the ones that have the most power here. We are the ones that are going to lead the charge. We're going to form a joint advisory committee. If we need your help, we'll let you know. And there are a lot of people around the sport that have, I think, correctly been concerned that this partnership could inevitably lead to those two conferences splitting off from the NCAA and creating their own super league of sorts that would crown its own champion. At the moment, those two conferences have 34 teams and the big 10 and the SEC would essentially play each other. Maybe they would schedule schools from the big 12 and the ACC almost in the way that current power five schools schedule group of five schools or FCS schools. But for the most part, they would play each other and they would, play for their own national title where would that lead TCU well in, I mean in that regard it would leave them kind of out in the cold from playing at the highest level of college football and there's been a lot of speculation about what would that look like would it be basically a semi-pro league where you, these universities would have NIL contracts with student-athletes there would probably have to be either a commissioner or a board of people that were in charge of making rules for for this league would we still rec- Would they still require these guys to go to class, these football players to go to class, or would they sort of cut out that facade completely and just basically keep the branding of the university while having a minor league NFL version of college football that was broadcasted on TV and was taking in huge, you know, monetary TV deals and all those things? That's that's kind of all up for speculation, but. Of course, as people that care about the TCU horn Frogs, the big concern for us is, where does that leave TCU in this madness? And are they going to be kind of left on the side of the road with, you know, the leftovers essentially and the other conferences competing for a national championship of sorts, but not at the level that the SEC and the Big Ten are? And I'm curious what you guys feel, how you guys feel about this, because I, I'm sure like across the fan base, there's probably different thoughts. I saw a friend of the show, throwback frog, who is is a, a funny uh, account on Twitter X. He put out a clip from Josh Pate. Josh Pate is a uh, national football writer for 247 sports. Also does a podcast. Um, 247 CBS. They're connected, but he covers the sport, right? And, I've had respect for Josh for years. I mean, he seems like a good dude. He seemed, He's very knowledgeable about the sport, obviously. But I don't agree with his opinion here. And he was basically – he was talking about this partnership between the Big Ten and the SEC and what it could lead to. And he basically said, yeah, you know, this could mean that uh, some programs just have to go by the wayside, that we lose, you know, some athletic departments and that type of thing but it's all for the good of college. He basically just said very flippantly, you know, some people are going to lose out in this. Some people are going to be out in the cold. Maybe some programs will have to shut down. Maybe some programs will have to operate completely differently than they have, but it's for the good of college sports, so what are you going to do? And for for someone who – you know i think josh paid is somebody who understands the charm and the mystique of the sport and the regionality of college football and for years one of the things that i loved about college football in particular at in the pro sports level nfl nba mlb all that it's all about titles that's what it's about it's about winning it all right everybody's competing for the same thing you're going after the same trophy And, I mean, you know, there's obviously pro sports teams that don't win titles that are still memorable and that still have great feelings that they left with their fans and that fans talk about great games. But for the most part, the teams that live on, the teams that are, you know, forever remembered are teams that win titles. And that is success and failure in pro sports basically comes down to that. In college sports, I felt like for a long time, one of the really cool things about college football is yes, everybody is playing is competing for a national title, and TCU has had teams in the past two decades that could could have legitimately won a national title, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. But there's also different barometers for success because there's different expectations with different programs, and so yeah, while Georgia is. Really, I mean, it's, it's truly national title or bus every single year. Same with Alabama and Ohio State and some of those schools. There's also universities and programs around the country where, you know, Arizona is an example last season. And maybe Wildcat fans will disagree with me. That's fine if they do. But Arizona had a really good year. They won the Alma Bowl in Oklahoma. Um, they were super competitive in the Pac-12. Now they end up losing Jed Fitch. He, he goes to Washington. But it was a memorable season. And for a lot of Arizona fans, it was probably a really successful season. And there's programs across the country that would just turn their nose up at an Alabama Bowl trophy. But the cool thing about college football is there's sort of different expectations for everybody, and it hasn't always been about who wins the national title. And honestly, in the playoff era, that's kind of flipped, which is sort of ironic because the point of the playoff in a vacuum was, hey, we're trying to make this more accessible for everybody. We're trying to make it to where everybody could could possibly win a national title, right? Because for years we had the BCS, which is only two teams, and we saw multiple, you know, group of five teams or maybe power five teams, even power five teams get left out in the cold. But the four-team playoff is supposed to solve that to a certain degree. And now the 12-team playoff is supposed to really solve it. But honestly, with each passing day, I feel like we are getting – to a place where it's more and more about the haves and the have-nots. And, of course, NIL has had a huge part to do with that. And Josh Pate went on to say that this is just kind of the natural consequences of how the sport has evolved and changed through the years and that he and other people fought against this, against a lot of these changes, like a lot of it in the name of player empowerment, like these transfer rules and NIL deals and all these things. And what I would say to that is, For a long time now, people have looked at the business model of college sports and said, hey, something's wrong here. Like, yes, a scholarship is a big deal. As someone who still pays student loans every month, I can tell you getting a scholarship is a massive thing. That's a big deal. It's a huge cost, especially a school like TCU. I'm not downplaying that. But at the same time, the amount of revenue that these athletic departments, and specifically football teams, were bringing in in comparison to what student-athletes were getting and just the fact that student-athletes weren't allowed to profit at all off their likeness while they were in school was pretty ridiculous. In a country that values capitalism and you know freedom of, like, if you have an idea, if you're able to go make some cash, you can do it, it didn't make a lot of sense, and everybody knew that for a long time. But the NCAA was never going to change the business model, because the business model kept them very profitable. Finally, they were forced to because the lawmakers got involved and they weren't prepared for it. And also on the other side of that, over the past five to 10 years, a lot of universities and individuals have figured out that if the NCAA has a problem with you, if you take them to court, you're probably going to win because they don't have much legal standing. And so people have done that time and time again and won. And so because of that, the sport has Changed a ton. And yes, I think there are changes that are very frustrating for fans. I think there are changes that the idea itself sounded really good and it sounded fair. There were unintended consequences that have made it tough for everybody, but players deserve to cash in on what they're doing and what they're bringing to the table. And to act like, you know, that's the sole reason that all this is happening. It's pretty ridiculous. I need to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more about these changes, what this means for TCU, and all that moving forward. This is Locked On Horn Frogs, your team every day. If you need tickets, go to Game Time. Download the Game Time app today. New users, if you download the Game Time app and use the code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D, you can get $20 off. It's not just sporting events, even though that's a great thing to buy. Take a sporting events on the Game Time app. You can also get, uh, you know, concerts, comedy shows, whatever it is that you're interested in. Game Time app has it for you. One of the great features is you can see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. They have all-in prices that show you the total up front, so you're not going to get, you know, killed by all these crazy secretive fees. Game Time has deals on tickets right at the start of the event, even an hour after it starts. It's the best place to find last-minute seats. They have last-minute flash deals. Uh, they have deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Um, and also, if you want to buy tickets for the Super Bowl, you can get $100 off with the code VEGAS100. Again, that's VEGAS100 if you're interested in Super Bowl tickets. VEGAS100 for $100 off or locked on for $20 off your first purchase. GameTime app is the best place to get tickets. GameTime app downloaded today. We are thankful for their sponsorship here on the Lockdown Network. Here's one of the crazy things to me about the SEC and the Big Ten, if they went this route and if they formed some sort of Super League. There's so many schools in the SEC and the Big Ten that are just riding the coattails of the Blue Bloods that bring in the eyeballs and the money and have had so much success in the past. Like, you think about TCU in the past couple decades. Obviously, the 2022 team, we know what happened in the championship game. I understand. But that was a really good team. They won a lot of close games. They beat Michigan on neutral field. And I think they ran into the wrong team. They ran into a bad matchup. They ran into a Georgia team that was on a mission, that was one of the best teams in the history of the sport. And they got embarrassed that night. However, They won a playoff game. They were a a really talented group, a lot of NFL players. And I think there were other years when they could have won a national title. But obviously in 2022, it wasn't in the cards. They weren't competitive uh, at SoFi Stadium that night. But the 2014 TCU Horned Frogs, they could have won it all. I mean, they legitimately could have won a national title. I saw Joel Klatt say that this week. I think he made a list of teams in the four-team playoff era that were left outside that could have won a national title and. 2014 TC was there. I mean, they just ran over people. Now, yeah, there were some close games. You know, they had to they had to fight and scratch and claw to beat West Virginia on the road. Um, had a really weird game against Kansas where, you know, they kind of messed around and played with their food, and that was a close game in the fourth quarter. But they obliterated Tech that year. They obliterated Oklahoma State, Kansas State. I mean, we know the story. The fourth quarter against Baylor, I, I – I do wonder if they found a way to win that game. I wonder if they get tripped up somewhere else along the way. I, I think the Baylor game was a great motivator for the rest of the season, but we saw in the Peach Bowl against Old Miss that team at the peak of their powers could beat anybody. I mean that it was forty-two to three, and it wasn't that close. It was just a, a complete manhandling. It could have been sixty-five to seven, like it was. It was that much of a lopsided game. From start to finish, they dominated. And that team could have won it all. I think the team that won the Rose Bowl could have won it all. Now, I mean, listen, Cam Newton was an outstanding player. I think that season that he put together for Auburn was one of the best of all time. I mean, it was up there with Joe Burrow in 2019. It was up there with some of the Tebow years. I mean, he was just – he was incredible. And and Cam didn't have a great supporting cast around him. I mean, he he single-handedly won some games. But that TCU team I think could have beaten Auburn. I think they could have beaten Oregon. I feel like they could have they would they could have won a BCS National Title. So that's at least two teams that legitimately in the last 15 years could have won a national title. TCU can say that. There's a lot of schools in the Big 10 and the SEC that can't say that. Purdue can't say that. Indiana can't say that. Iowa can't say that. You can go down the list. I mean, you know, Maryland's not doesn't have teams like that. Rutgers doesn't have teams. Rutgers had a good team in 07, but I don't think they were a national title caliber type of team. In the SEC, you know, Vandy hasn't had teams that are that good. I think even, you know, Old Miss, like this year, yeah, they they have a chance to go win a national title. But in the past 15 years or so, I can't think of Old Miss teams that could have won it all. Mississippi State had some really good years with Dak Prescott, but I don't think they would have won a national title in that span. Even Texas A&M, I mean, I guess you could argue in those Johnny Manziel years, he was so good that you could make the argument, okay, they could probably have beaten anybody in a neutral field just because of who he was and his ability. But it's crazy to me that a team like CCU and a program that has had, I mean, they've had some low lows too, but ultimately have had the highest of highs in the sport other than winning it all would be left out like this if there was some sort of you know, breakaway from the NCAA with these two conferences. So I don't know what the future holds. I think there's – if the Big Ten and the SEC decide to expand, hopefully TCU will be a part of that. If they don't, listen, I understand that you guys love the university. You love the programs. I'm going to be here following it if TCU was playing D2 ball for some reason, like I would be all in, I'd be invested. I'd still be doing the podcast. we would be doing this together. Right. And I think there, there are some benefits to the new look of big 12 and where it stands and how it's a more even playing field in some ways. And I think TCU, if they can find consistency under Sonny Dykes could be a real force in this league, but I still want to be a part of the national conversation. And I think there's a big difference between it's you're not going to be a national title contender every single year. Maybe it's a long shot. Maybe a lot of things got to fall into place, but you at least have a seat at the table. And for a program with this much success through the years to not have an opportunity, that would just be a killer. And so I hope, I hope they can find a way to figure it out and avoid that those changes moving forward but we'll see we'll see what the future holds in the next few years and what the big 10 and the sec decide to do and what kind of power they decide to throw around here in the near future when we come back uh we'll wrap things up here on lockdown horn frogs your team every day i've been telling you about it all week long super bowl are you going to a party this weekend i'll be hosting my family and some friends on Super Bowl Sunday, Chiefs and 49ers, should be a good ball ballgame. FanDuel.com. You go there today. If you're a new user, make one $5 bet. If you win that bet, you get up to $200 in bonus bets. If you win one $5 bet, you get up $200 in bonus bets. Um, you can also download the FanDuel app. A lot of different things you can bet on. You can bet on the game itself, or you can make all sorts of prop bets. Who's going to score a touchdown? Who's going to score the first touchdown? Over unders, all those types of things are available there at fanduel.com slash lockdown or the fanduel app. Fanduel, it's where the game starts, official betting partner of the NFL and proud sponsor of the lockdown network. So, a, a few more things before we go. Uh, TC Women's Basketball, they play tonight on the road in Norman against Oklahoma. Oklahoma's really good, they're 15 and 6 on the season, but they're 9 and 1 in conference play. Um, they've won five in a row. They just came off a big winning. It's Oklahoma State on the road. So, an uphill battle for this TCU team. I will say this I think it's been really admirable how this group has played post forfeit. You know, they've kind of changed up their offense to run five out sets. Um, I like what they're doing. Sydney Harris has been a nice boost since she's been able to get back in the lineup. I do wonder if they can get Sedona Prince back late in the season, if they could get Madison Connor back late in the season. I don't really see a path for them to have like a 500 record or winning record in conference play, obviously. But the Big 12 tournament, if you can get healthier before then with some of the new concepts that you're running, with some of the confidence some of your younger players or less experienced players should have as they continue to get quality minutes, how much does that help you uh and how much damage could you do if everybody's ready to go and kind of is guns blazing? You know when the postseason starts. I feel like that's going to be a big question for this group. But Mark Campbell's team—they're playing Oklahoma in Norman tonight, six o'clock tip. I think that's an ESPN Plus, yeah, ESPN Plus game. If you want to check that out on TV, so uh, good luck to them. And would be a huge upset if they could find a way to pull it off. Kind of playing with house money, so I hope they come out there and just play free and, and try to make some noise and hit as many shots as they can. Um, I'll, I'll look at some audience reaction real quick from yesterday's show. Uh, Jared said he agrees. I talked yesterday about the, the TCU bench. If they could find a way to get some consistency. I was talking about the men's basketball team. That could be big for this team moving forward. He said I completely agree. If they can do the small things to contribute to winning intensity defense and free throws. And TCU can make some noise in March. Jacob Langford is excited to see if the men's tennis team can three-peat at the indoor tennis championships here in a couple weeks. He's nervous about frog basketball, big stretch run coming up. Yeah, the game Saturday against Iowa State is huge. I mean, it's it's really difficult to win in Ames. Um, I don't know if anybody's done it this year, honestly, but I know Kansas and, and Houston both went up there and lost. But you did have a whole week off, so hopefully that prep time is beneficial for Jamie Dixon and his staff. As Iowa State played last night against Texas and Austin, and they won that game big. Um, Tanner McKinney says he thinks they need to start fresh in offense and defense. Nobody's job is safe. The best will play. Experience is very good. Most of our players from last year were experienced and played like it was their first year. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think there will definitely be some open competition in camp, Tanner. That's my guess. And so we'll see what um, the what it looks like moving forward. But I, I definitely think they're going to have a lot of open spots and a lot of competition. Um, throughout spring ball and fall camp, so that'll be something to watch. We'll be back tomorrow. It's locked on horn Frogs. It's your team. We do it here every day.